Welcome back, everybody, as we get underway for Women's Picks. Um, I am your host, Dave McHugh. We're done with the men's selections, if you're wondering. Um, we got through that. It's done. It's, 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 we don't need to repeat it. Whether we're that accurate, we'll find out tomorrow. Reminder, the men's brackets will release at 1230. Women's brackets will release at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, all times Eastern, tomorrow. All right, so we were going to be joined by Gordon. Unfortunately, that fell through, but he'll be up behind the scenes chiming in when necessary. Um, in the meantime, it uh, looks like he's still trying to chime in, but we may get him. We never know. Uh, in the meantime, we have our friends BJ Spiegelmeiger and James Wagner ready to join us, and they join us on the Skype system. And uh, BJ has done a lot of yeoman's work like Bob did the last time. We'll work through that stuff as well. But, gentlemen, thanks for taking the time. You're welcome. No problem. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here, Dave, as always. I appreciate it, guys. All right, so um, first and foremost, uh, your thoughts on the season so far. Go ahead, Wags. Well, I think, you know, it's been a very, very interesting season. Uh, a lot of good games, a lot of teams that, you know, you think that, you know, we're going to have good years and did not, and there are some teams that surprise you. So I'm interested to see as we get to tomorrow – Who's going to make the tournament? Obviously, we have the AQs, but we're going to talk tonight about who may have a chance to get into this tournament. Yeah, I was when I was going through the list today. I was surprised uh, how many upsets there were. I I saw three three number one ranked teams in the region are are in the pool C pool, which I don't that doesn't happen that often on the women's side. Right. And I I think it was DePaul lost to like a six seed in their conference tournament. Yeah, Wittenberg. Yeah, so that you know, it's 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 kind of cool actually to see that happen on the women's side because you don't usually see it. Um, but there's a little bit more parity, I guess, out there. Uh, yeah, men, women's obviously we're very familiar with the parity on the men's side. Women's has gotten a little bit deeper. It's a little bit more interesting to see. I mean, we've seen some new yeah. selections in Oberlin, for example, getting into the tournament this year for the first time ever. So, yep. uh, fun fun to say the least, and looking forward to seeing how it all plays out from here. Um, similar process to the last time for anybody who's paying attention. Uh, we will we will make selections as to who we think um, is uh, on the table, who we think will get into the tournament, and all of that jazz. Uh, we'll try and keep systems up and running uh, to give you an idea of on the screen who we're selecting as well. Um, anything you're looking forward to on this, or have you guys thought you can understand what the committees may be doing this year? Uh, that might be loaded. I, yeah, I mean, I kind of have my own theories, and I just hope that they align with what the committee thinks. <laughs> I agree. You know, you, you think that you one year you figure out the way the committee's doing things, and they do it an opposite way, and one year you change it, and then it's the way you thought the year before. So, you know, BJ's done a lot of work here to help us out, and that's great. So we're going to kind of see how we do here, and, you know, obviously we'll find out tomorrow whether we were right or wrong. But, you know, I think – you know, we've done it to the point where you can kind of figure out how the committees do it. Again, it's 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 the system works with the different um, parts of it, with the strength of schedule, the regional rankings, wins against regional rank opponents, and it just comes down to you know those final five teams. You know how much you fight for those teams. So I'm interested to see how we do here in comparison when the brackets release tomorrow. We haven't talked about whether we would re-rank uh, in any way, shape, or form. I was looking at some of the rankings that BJ put together. BJ, you basically sent us the regional rankings as they were. We haven't made any adjustments, correct? Correct. These are the identical regional rankings that were put out last Wednesday. 
And I just updated the records from what the teams did this week, and I updated the versus regionally ranked opponents' records. So if they played a team that is currently ranked, I just added a one, a win or a loss into that column. Did we do? Uh, did you update SOS numbers? I did not, just okay, because so I don't. Can... I didn't. I didn't have. I didn't have a way to do that, so I just kept them as they were as of last Sunday. We can easily do that because we can get access to them on D three hoops. Um, okay, that's not a problem. We can figure that out. Okay. Um, yep. I think what we're going to do, guys, is instead of uh, since we got a little bit of, of background stuff, we got tangled up trying to get Gordon online. Was unable to join us. I think what we're going to do is take a bit of a break, get a chance to do one of our interviews um, that we have plenty of on the women's side. And as you and I, then we'll get a little bit of our homework done, get ready to roll on this women's stuff, and maybe even get a couple selections out of the way that'll be pretty much slam dunk. So that makes sense to you guys? Yeah, that's definitely. All right, so we'll take a break, come back, we'll get an interview out of the way, and uh, speaking of which, who are we going to talk to first? I had an order, I'm double-checking my order. We will talk to Megan Howdy, uh, the Stevens women's coach. Coming up, you're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Women's selections underway. We'll have updates when we come back after listening to Megan. All right, cool, guys. Um, I'm a Division three student athlete, and and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean um, stupid, lame, or less than. If you go under news so on I the women's side, speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. Um, I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. Which would suck. I used to never really talk ever. Uh, I was afraid okay, if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. <laughs> but then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. There we are. Oh, and now everyone else is speechless. Details. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from yes. Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern yep. to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers it Division three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. You Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. 
I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe list. for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each They're other all at ugly. parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. And we don't, we can actually step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. Uh, to stop sexual right. assault. I know Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division 3. And welcome back to this Hoopsville. I'll try that again. Three, two, one. Welcome back to this Hoopsville special, our Selection Sunday broadcast. At this point, uh, we are still working behind the scenes now on what we think the women's selections will be uh, for our mock selections, I should say, for the NCAA tournament. We are still working on the process, but this gives us a chance by talking to a coach in a pre-taped interview to keep working on it, maybe not bore all of you with the details and, and some of the minutia, uh, and get all through that. When we come back from this segment, we'll give you an update on where we have uh, moved forward or maybe if we haven't moved forward. Again, this is an opportunity to talk to some coaches who we talked to earlier in the day, and one of the big stories on the women's side of things is the uh, – appearance let's say of the stevens ducks we're used to stevens on the women's side having a good year but the empire eight was st john fisher and sage for the most part on this uh on this season was sage in the in the uh, league this year stevens had a little bit of a struggle this season but seven straight wins including over sage and st john fisher to win the empire eight title they'll enter the tournament at 15 and 12 on the season and joining us on the city of Salem Hoopsville hotline. It's the head coach of the Stevens ducks, Megan Howie and coach. Thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. And by the way, just to, just to have some fun. I think if people are used to Hoopsville and your appearances on the show, we always seem to get you a little bit hoarse. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I barely have a voice whenever I talk to We're you. We're going to have so. to start sending you like some uh, cough drops or something just <laughs> yeah. to help you out. Um, you know, to be blunt, I don't know if a lot of people had, a, or maybe even you, didn't have huge expectations. I think this year you, know, you had lost a, a good chunk of a, of a quality team from last year's squad, and you guys started off one and four on the season um, and uh, three and and five. And to be honest, we've also gotten used to maybe your starts because you guys play a really tough schedule nine times out of ten. But it didn't feel like until the end here, winning seven straight, that you guys really had your season underneath you. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think, you know, for us, the first, you know, our first stretch of games, we try to play the best competition. Um, we had seniors, Anna Token, Meg Brown, Sid Darb, you know, there to lead us. And I think we felt really good about our first six stretch, winning three. We played good teams. Going into conference play, I think that was, you know, we knew we would be able to, you know, fight for, for championship spot. Um, I think the big turning point, Anna Toke, senior, double, you know, double-digit scorer, mm -hmm. double-digit rebounder, went down. Um, yeah. She got injured about our second or third game into conference play. And uh, it really changed a lot the landscape for us because her and Meg Brown were, two interior players that were hard to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, we had good wins over Haverford and DeSales, you know, with them. And so we really kind of had to look in the mirror and uh, readjust. And with the injuries, we also looked at our roster. And at this point, we have seven freshmen yeah. playing out of 10 kids. Uh, Meg Anderson's injured. She's another upperclassman um, that would have given us four upperclassmen. But, I mean, what truly happened is Meg, Meg Brown and Sid Darb, you know, our two seniors kind of decided to – um, pick it up, you know, become more vocal, um, put a little bit more pressure on the freshmen that they had to, they had to perform, you know, we had to gain consistency. Um, we couldn't go out and shoot, you know, 6% from three and the next night shoot 40. We needed to find some defensive consistency and offensive. And, um, you know, I think the last seven games speak to a combination of our freshmen handling that role and our Meg Brown going to work. I mean, anytime you have Meg Brown on your team, um, she's an amazing kid. She's an amazing rebounder, finisher. Um, you really, I, I really thought we had a chance, you know, any given game to, to really pull some good wins. And I think that's really what you saw at the end. We came together. They believed they could do it. Um, our freshmen stepped up huge. I mean, they had two nights of, of big games from Christina Lee, Sam Winter, um, Annetta, our, our, our post player who came in and hit some big shots and combined with Meg and Sid, um, really carrying the weight of the leadership and, and stepping up their games. I mean, Meg Brown shot from the free throw line better, better this weekend <laughs> than she has in, uh, in her four years. So, you know, they did the intangibles that, that we talked about and executed game plans. You know, we kind of had to, we had to game plan against Fisher a little differently. We thought um, Friday night against Sage, we just had to come to play and we did it. So it was exciting for them, a young team, but a, you know, a great team, and uh, it's exciting to see what we do next. So. Yeah, Meg Brown, a 59% free throw shooter. She was 14 of 15 this weekend. Um, yeah. I would call that not a typical. Um, no. So what's interesting, because you finished the first, look, we'll call it half of the season, before your holiday break where you took a month off, uh, and you were 3-5. and five. You come back, you get into conference play, and you mentioned the loss of Anna Toke. That takes place in that first game against Elmira, but you're on a three-game win streak following that. Yeah. And, and then it felt like things, I don't want to say unraveled, but really got difficult because you end up losing seven of your next nine, including yeah. twice to Sage and twice to St. John Fisher. Um, and, and now you're sitting, you know, five and 12. You're heading into the back end in February schedule. 
at this point, you're just trying to make the tournament. What was yeah. the like? You talk about the freshmen stepping up, certainly, but there. What was the switch that took place? I think it was. Yeah, I think a lot of it. I remember sitting with Meg Brown in my office. We had some bad, you know, some wins. We didn't, you know, we thought were bad, bad losses. I'm sorry for us. Sure. That um, just felt bad. They felt bad because mostly of our performance, just defensive mishaps. You know, kind of not being who we wanted to be as a team. And I remember sitting with Meg and we talked about just not feeling bad for ourselves with the situation with Anna. I think that took time to get over because Meg Brown was not used to drawing double teams. She was not used to playing the true five. You know, she, she had the freedom of the bigs drawing Anna and her having some mobility in the paint. And, you know, me and her talked and I think she didn't feel great about the way the season was going. And I didn't feel great about, you know, where we were. And, uh, you know, we kind of agreed to stop feeling bad for ourselves, stop calling ourselves young, stop calling ourselves injured, you know, stop making excuses about where we were and just start building, you know. And, and part of it is Meg Brown is a leader by – she doesn't. she's not a vocal leader as much as she is a leader of – she just works her butt off every day. She, you know, her actions speak for herself, but she needed to become a vocal leader because Anna was trying from the bench. Siddharth gave everything she had. You know, Meg Anderson had some injuries, our captains, but – once Meg Brown, I think, really turned that corner and started believing we could still accomplish our goals with this new crew and started putting some confidence in our freshmen and putting pressure on our freshmen. So, you know, we also had to make the decision that they're not really freshmen. They've got to start acting like upperclassmen, mm -hmm. and we have to start holding them accountable for, you know, more productivity. And I think all of that combined with the group is tight. They're great friends. We don't have – we have the best dynamic we've had in years. Um, I think we constantly kept believing. We scrapped out some very close wins coming into conference play. I mean, we had Utica. That was a one-point, two-point game. Mm -hmm. You know, all of them have been tight. We've learned end-of-game situations. You know, we've, we've believed in ourselves there, and I think it's made an enormous difference. I think this weekend was mainly about our senior leadership holding, you know, pushing, pushing us, stepping up and doing what they're doing. Just the free-throw line itself speaks volumes, you know. Yeah, it's certainly interesting is is you lost to Sage by 11 the first time you played him. You lost by 12 the second time. The first time you played St. John Fisher, you lose by 13, and then they beat you up by 34 or 33. Yeah, that was pretty much a down. That was yeah. probably one of our, that, our, our biggest downsides. I was going to yeah, I was gonna say probably your lowest moment. You come back and beat Sage by two on Friday. You beat uh, St. John Fisher on Saturday um, by five. What was the game plan going into those two games and how well did you guys execute it? Um, Friday night, you know, we, we talked about making them both teams take shots. They don't want to take. We talked about what Sage likes to do. We felt like they like to run their plays where they like to pass. They, they pride themselves in that. And so we decided to apply chaotic ball pressure, get in passing lanes and assign key defenders to their key kids. And uh, I think they are, we executed at, Excellent. I mean, we played man-to-man. -man, we grinded out tight chase screens, did a lot of, you know, in-your-face type of defense, and combine that with, you know, our offense has been a struggle this year up and down. We just decided to maybe run less sets and just play, you know, just run, you know, just play basketball, driving kick, find the best shot. And that was our game plan offensively all weekend was just to use the clock to create shots that we want, not forces and, you know, I think earlier in the year we were shooting threes when we wanted to drive. We were driving when we wanted to shoot threes, and it just felt a little off. And I think this weekend was just 
stop worrying so much about the play and just play, you know? So Friday night, Friday night was a big uh, ball pressure game, you know, and we, we had the guards, we knew we had the skill in the guards to do it, but sometimes we have silly fouls, you know, again, they're just young kids making sometimes poor decisions, but we didn't, you know, they really, they really did the, did what we needed to do. And again, we've been good at end of game situations. We squeaked one out there, you know, stepped up with our free throws, you know, made good decisions on what we did defensively and stepped up. So when you look at um, what, I mean, by the way, you should point point out uh, Meg Brown was co-player of the year in the conference and MVP uh, for the tournament. When you, in the past, when we've talked to you, you guys are at least in the pool C conversation, meaning if, if you lose, there's a chance you're going to get in that large. Is there a different mentality when you know, no, that isn't on the table. It's either we win this thing or our season's over. Does that change the dynamic too? Oh, absolutely. I think, I think for our kids, they knew, you know, we tried to educate our freshmen about how this all works. And, you know, we talk a lot about it preseason so they understand it. But for a kid like Meg Brown and Sid, who've done, who've been here before, you know, they've gone to the, the NCAA tournament twice already, you know, they're hungry for it and they knew this was it, you know? So I also think they, you know, one, one year for them, it was a pool C one year. We won it last year. You know, we were disappointed not to go. It was a letdown. So I think they came in this year hungry for it. And I think they, again, did a good job of sharing that passion with our freshmen who are new to all this mm-hmm. and really showing them and explaining to them there's nothing like going to the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I mean, this is great, but there is nothing like it. And becoming, you know, having them have this experience, I think, will be huge, you know, so. Did you guys come straight home from St. John Fisher? Or you, or is, or... We did. Wow. Yeah. That is, what yeah. time do you guys get home? We got home around one o'clock. You know, okay. we're used to those. This is our third weekend. Uh, right. You know, but we we you know they stopped, got them some treats. They love that, so they're good. <laughs> yeah, well, fill them with treats, and they totally forget about everything else. Yeah. Um, that's not too bad. Um, one thing we also should point out is you've had a you didn't get much of a rest because you've had to be up. You're on the as we talked about in the past. You're on the regional co- committee uh, for the East Region. Um, and we should point out your work is done for the day now that we're talking to you. <laughs> Wouldn't have been able to talk to you prior, uh, a little bit busy. How did this year go? We're not, if anybody out there, no, we're not going to get any details from coach, not going to even ask. But fr- from, yeah. from your vantage point this year, uh, which felt like a different year, especially in the East region, how did, how did things evolve and how did things kind of hash out from your point of view this year? I mean, I think this year it was it was a different year like it is every year and just, you know, analyzing. We had a few more losses in our region, you know, if you look at the teams across the board um, that, we, that we've been used to. But I think strength of schedules are always, you know, part of the conversation, regionally ranked wins. I think it was just trying to look at the whole body of work um, and balancing out teams that, you know, again, might have, might have more losses than we're used to and where do they fit into the larger picture. But overall, I think, you know, that's probably a conversation across the country that happened. Um, and for us in the East Region, I think we did a good job of, you know, prioritizing that, those things while also, like I said, trying to look at the teams that are winning games, winning good games, playing good schedules. Um, and, you know, I think, I think we did a good job of it at the end of the day. So It's not easy. I know that much, and I know it's pouring no. into it. And on a day like today, I don't even, off the top of my head, um, doing this pre-tape, I don't remember if there's any uh, other games going on in the East region. How hard is it, though, to adjust to games that are still going on and, and kind of play the what-if game? 
Yeah, I mean, when we get together, we have to talk through both scenarios. We do have some games being played today. Um, you know, and that's part of our job is to, you know, talk about who, if, if this, then what, if that, then what, you know, and make sure we do our due diligence to, uh, to analyze all that, to make sure we put forth, you know, what we think is the strongest and best and best ranking. So that is interesting because it is playing into our region today like it is some others as well. Uh, we won't go into my soapbox. Uh, I may have already done it on this show for all I know about not playing Sunday games. But anyway, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> Coach, I appreciate taking the time. Uh, I assume at this point you don't care where you're headed. No, well, yes and no. <laughs> okay. We have some, we have some ideas. We're, we're happy to be here. Absolutely. We know with our record, we're probably going to pull a four seed, but, um, we have some, you know, some spots we'd love to see ourselves if it works. And if not, you know, we're just happy to be here and keep rolling. So awesome. Well, coach, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Congratulations Absolutely. on a, on a tremendous finish to the season and earning your way into the NCAA tournament. Uh, you've popped a couple bubbles. I know that for sure as well. Uh, yeah. We'll see uh, how that all transpires. But as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, thank you so much. Thanks for all you do, and thanks for having us on. We're excited to be here and be a part of it. So, Well, awesome. Thanks, Coach. Take care and enjoy, the, enjoy next weekend at the very least. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Absolutely. Megan Howie joining us from Stevens on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Again, entering the tournament 15-12, and 12, seven-game winning streak over Sage and St. John Fisher in the Empire 8 tournament this weekend. Congratulations to the Ducks on earning their way in, though. If you think 15-12 and 12 is a, a wacky uh, uh, record, we've already been talking about the wacky record on the men's side. But when we come back, we will get back into our selections and figure out where we've done or how far we've gotten behind the scenes to figure out who we think makes the NCAA tournament as at-large picks. You're watching the Hoopsville special Selection Sunday here on D3Hoops.com, presented by D3Hoops.com, of course, from the WBCA and ABC studios. We're back live after this. And uh, without taking a break, we're going right back into it, folks, as we're a little bit behind schedule, so we want to get moving. With our women's selections, the uh, panel that we've got assembled, Gordon Mann behind the scenes. Uh, hopefully, maybe we can get him to join us, but if not, in the meantime, P.J. Spiegelmeyer, who's on the left-hand part of your screen, and James Wagner on the right, uh, in the center, technically. Uh, Wags is the assistant commissioner for the CSAC, B.J. and uh, sports information director for DeSales, and they've been on this show before as we've done this work. Uh, gentlemen, uh, while we listen to Megan uh, Howardy in her hoarse voice from Stevens, um, once again talk about how the Ducks are in the NCAA tournament, we decided to do some work behind the scenes. Um, um, and some of these we, we realize are going to be pretty easy and, and slam dunkish, as it were, because the teams are so just darn good. Um, shall we reveal at least what we thought about doing initially? Sure. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Absolutely. PJ. I'll let you do it. Okay, we put uh, Tufts from the Northeast region in first, which because we made the executive decision to move Tufts ahead of Bowdoin in that ranking, whether that's right or wrong, it doesn't yeah, really matter. Because Tufts beat Bowdoin in the conference tournament and then um, went to the conference championship that Tufts would have moved ahead of Bowdoin as a result of that in the regional rankings. Right, and whether we're right or wrong on that, it doesn't matter because right. our second team in was Bowdoin. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we got those those two teams in, and then we put in Rochester third from the East region, which put RIT on the board, and then we put them in fourth. So that now puts 
Roger Williams on the board from the northeast and Ithaca on the board from the east. So we have we on our screen, just so everybody know, we have our four selections already in the uh, upper right-hand corner. Tufts first, Bowden second, Rochester third, RIT fourth. And we could be wrong with those, but that's how we see it playing. Then on the bottom of the screen, below BJ and, J and, and Wags, you'll see the, the teams that we have um, at the table, as it were, from each of the regions and uh, their criteria as to why we felt that way uh, as well. So we have TCNJ out of the Atlantic. We have WashU out of the Central. Ithaca out of the East. Uh, DePaul out of the Great Lakes. Juniata out of the Mid-Atlantic. Roger Williams out of the Northeast. UT Dallas out of the South. And St. Benedict out of the West. For the most part, we have left regional rankings the same as of last week because we just haven't had any indications to move anybody around unless something is grotesquely out of place. But also there were so many AQs that were gobbled up that I think some of these were pretty obvious that they didn't need to be moved around. Um, for example, I don't think Christopher Newport necessarily is going to jump Juniata. I don't think mm -hmm. Mass Dartmouth is jumping Roger Williams as they both lost. Um, the only caveat is we, when we get into the South a little bit further, there may be some changes there, um, but that's a minor detail. And I don't think anybody in the West is jumping St. Benedict right now either. Now, we could certainly argue after St. Benedict, but we'll get to that later. All right, so, gentlemen, we've got uh, some really heady uh, uh SOS numbers that we've already seen, and we've seen some heady re records as well. Um, Record-wise, the one team that jumps out at me here is uh, DePaul at 25-2. and two. Um, That said, the big SOS that jumps out at me here is Wash U's at 613. And then the East region, with all their regional ranked opponents, that allows both Ithaca at 6-5 and five and Dallas at 6-1 and one, and even St. Benedict at 4-4 four and four to jump out at me in that category. Yeah, it's it's a matter of what do we weigh more right now, uh, winning percentage, strength of schedule, or the uh, first regionally ranked opponents co column. Um, yeah, I think St. Benedict right now is on the on the outside looking in temporarily because of a 5.46 SOS when compared to mm -hmm. others like Ethica's at a 5.77 for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I think TCNJ with that 5.50 also sits despite being four and three against regionally ranked opponents. Um, yeah, I think the I think the three right now I would compare would be Ithaca, DePaul, and Juniata. Yeah, luckily for us, they're all right there together. They are. Um, the, DePaul's twenty-five wins are impressive, but they're much lower in the other two columns. Right. Mm -hmm. If you start playing the SOS game, let's just say the women are doing it. Point oh three SOS to two games. DePaul and Ithaca are now equal. Yeah. Um, and Juniata is now also equal. Uh, Correct. Know, relatively speaking. So now Ithaca's got more losses. That's about the only thing that really jumps out at me in this scenario. Mm -hmm. I almost wonder, do they just bring DePaul in because of that win-loss, knowing that they're going to get off the board eventually anyway? Very possible. Yeah, I think so. I think we get DePaul out of the mix here because I think they're going to get picked anyway. Okay, And it might make kind of the numbers a little bit more even when we start moving on because the next team out of the Great Lakes will be... Trine. Well, we've got it as last week being Trine. I see no reason that would change. So yeah. I think Trine will then make this conversation a little bit more interesting. So we'll take the paw off. Okay. And we'll make them our fifth pick. Though, very good chance they go later or earlier. Yeah. For all we know. Um, just bear with me to update the info on our screens, folks. 
Yep, Trine is now 549 strength of schedule. 549, that's a big jump up in one week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think they played, I believe they played Hope and um, somebody else with a good record. Yes. Um, yeah, they played Hope and lost in overtime by six. Yeah, and also played uh, Albion. Yep. Yep. And they have an 889 winning percentage. Which certainly, get, as I said, gets more interesting here. Mm-hmm. All right, again, updated on your screen, folks. Um, all right, so we have the same group, and now just replaced with Trine with that 889, um, 24 and 3, with a 549, but 1 and 3 versus regionally ranked opponents. And actually, we can update that because they're technical. Or did you update it, BJ? Uh, that should be updated. Okay, okay. I didn't want to add, a, add or, or remove if yeah. I shouldn't, so. Uh, that should be updated unless I made a mistake. No, that's fine. I'm, I'm going to trust you. Okay. Maybe that's a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's where, I mean, believe it or not, there's, I, I think a lot of these teams are going to go. I think, though, I s- somewhat the order is going to be dependent because I think some teams might get stuck when other good teams, like we've seen out of the East, kind of come to the table here. No, I agree. I, don't, I wouldn't do this, but I could almost take all eight of these teams and put them in, and it doesn't matter what order, and just bring the next eight up. But right. that would, that's probably not fair to do. No, yeah, just, because I'm worried there might be a couple teams that might make a couple of these guys stay for a little longer and change the right. equations later. Exactly, yep. Um, so if I'm looking at this now, it's still probably between Ithaca, Juniata, and Trine. I just I love Washington's strength of schedule, but it's just 18 wins. I just can't talk about them yet. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one. Wags, any thoughts? Um, I'm looking at the the, the strength schedule between those three: Ithaca, Trine, and Juniata. Um, again, Juniata's. I have them. The updated number. Let me look at Juniata's updated number. Hold on one second here. Uh, Juniata. 565. 565. And I'm going to look at their schedule really quick here. I mean, again, they're in a very competitive landmark. They were 10 and 4. Um, and they lost in overtime in their conference title game. Um, and you know, they had a couple losses in conference. One that looks really bad. But I think looking at the overall schedule of who they played, you know, they did play, they did play some good teams. I might kind of lean towards Juniata a little bit of those three mm-hmm. just because of what the conference they're in. You know, they played, obviously they played Scranton, played a good, you know, Moravian team. Um, I might lean towards Juniata out of those three. Uh, I think I heard a chirp, so I'm just going to check to see if Gordon's hanging anything. So we're mentioning, oh, by the way, we didn't even mention this. We did make a Pool B selection. It was uh, Valley Forge because they were the only one with above 500 record. Um Worth mentioning, the reason the East Region has so many ranked teams now is because the NEC moved into it and increased the number of slots. Yeah, fair point. Half the Little League got ranked as well. It's a compact region geographically, so everyone is playing everyone in else in non-conference, which is nice to see. Uh, Trine played Hope this week, lost. They played Albion in the MIA. Albion with a good record. Trine record versus regionally ranked. Win against Hope, loss against Hope twice, and Amherst. And Amherst game was in Vegas. <coughs> So just wanted to make sure Gordon gets a say in here since we wanted him to be part of this conversation. I'll try and keep that window up a little bit more prevalently. Um, yeah, this I, I, it may be just splitting hairs for no particular reason. 
Um, yeah, if I were if, if you held a gun to my head, I would put Ithaca in, but I agree that they're it is splitting hairs. Hmm. Yeah, Ithaca is kind of where my lean is. My my concern is those seven losses. Um. But you play the game with Trine, and now we're equal in that category. And Trine's just one and three. Or actually, maybe mm -hmm. they're one and four with Gordon's note there. Hold on. Let me double check his note. Win against Hope, lost twice to Hope and Amherst. So they're actually one and four. Okay. No big deal. Um, Juniata's got his equal in SOS. Not as gaudy a three and two, but a better win loss percentage. Mm hmm. Do we go with Juniata, maybe? Yeah, that's fine. Both Juniata and Ithaca have wins over number one ranked teams. Gordon says, by the way, you're right. It's one and three for trying. I apologize. Go See, ahead. you should have trusted me. I should have trusted you. You're right. The guy who can't even figure out Skype. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards Juniata personally. All right. Okay. Let's do it. All right. So Juniata is going to be our next pick. Pick number six will be Juniata out of the Landmark Conference. They had a tremendous season, to say the least. Replacing them will be... Newport. Thank you. Christopher Newport. Uh, no reason to think Albright would have jumped over him in any way, shape, or form. Um, let's see here. 557. Five, 557, five, thank you. We just have... Update our SOS numbers compared to what we saw. Uh, they went to the conference championship, lost to Marymount, so that adds another win-loss or a regional ranking result. I should have put that in there. Yep. No, I just wanted to say it out loud. Okay. Um, CNU from the CAC. And their win-loss <laughs> Sorry. thought I was on a calculator there for a second. Their win loss percentage is eight fifty two. And five fifty seven strength of, uh strength of schedule. Yep, five fifty seven. We got that. I just updated the screen finally. All right. Where do we sit now? So let's uh see if we can get another one or two out of here. I'm going Ithaca. <laughs> He's doubling down, folks. Um, compared to TCNJ, out of curiosity, one one more win for TCNJ, one less loss, but a little yeah, less the, SOS. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you actually. And the verse regionally ranked is much higher. Yeah. Um, uh, CNU's got a nice winning percentage with a pretty strong SOS too, though they're inside that .03 to two game margin there. I know they're they just are. two and three. Um, yeah. But that win loss at 852 becomes a factor, I think. Uh, Texas-Dallas is in the same conversation, but their SOS is 531. You know, I yeah. think that, that's a big big difference. Wags, thoughts? Um, I'm going to go with BJ with the Ithaca one, for sure. And TCNJ, um, I know with They've got a. They obviously played Montclair, who's the number one team in Atlantic. 
you know, again, in a tough region. So I like do like TCNJ as well. Ithaca beat Montclair. They did? Okay. I believe it was the first game of the year. Listen to you with no. your research. Second mm-hmm. second game of the year. Beat him at Cortland. So I don't I, that, I would, that's impressive. I, I would me. agree with you on Ithaca then for sure. Um, all right. Well, let's put Ithaca in then. I'm not going to argue too much with that. Ithaca in. I'm just going to double check. Gordon hasn't chimed in on something. But Ithaca will be our seventh pick with a 20 and 7 record. Moves us on to uh, pick number eight, but coming off now the East region, which is darn deep on the women's side this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got St. Lawrence. I don't have any reason to think that they're going to jump, be jumped by anybody. Uh, St. John Fisher was eighth, and they lost. Um, and I don't see Vassar doing it either. Nope. Nope. Um, oh, Gordon actually was thinking Wash U because a few losses and better SOS, but that might kind of come up here right now. Um, yep. Instead, at the table, I'm replacing St. Lawrence out of the um, Liberty as well, right? Yes. Thank you. Just brain fried there. Of course, they're 17 and 9. Uh, 536. 536. Strength of schedule. 654 winning percentage. And they played 10 regionally ranked teams. What was your uh, number there again? I'm sorry. 536. 536. Got it. Yeah, but I think that win-loss percentage now is a real problem. Yes, I agree. I think they're going to sit for a little bit. All right, so at this point, I think Wash U starts to look stronger. Yeah, the 613 is uh, now 0.06 above our next highest. Yeah. I'd put Wash U in. Yep, I'm going to go Wash U as well. I'm pretty sure Gordon would cons- would agree with us. And maybe mm-hmm. he's losing his mind behind the scenes anyway. That's his own fault. <laughs> so Wash U in. As our eighth pick at 18 and 6 with a gaudy SOS. And we hit save and go back to the central region to see who else who uh, we had behind them. Had Wheaton behind them. Uh, and then Eau Claire. I have no reason to think Wheaton isn't going to stay in that spot. Um, so I agree. We'll put Wheaton into the central slot. Twenty and five, uh, twenty uh, twenty-two and five over is their is their secondary criteria, but they were twenty and five in the eyes of the NCAA in primary criteria, which is an eight hundred. Do we have an updated SOS for them? Five seven five. Five yep. seven five. So everybody's SOSs did a nice job of coming up this week. Yep. And they're one and four versus regionally ranked opponents, and we will hit save on that. So now we've got that updated. Um, Gordon's, yep, yep, you're right. All right, so TCNJ, Wheaton, St. Lawrence, Trine, CNU, Roger Williams, UT Dallas, and St. Benedict. Um, I say we bang out a couple more picks here, and then we'll go to another um, um, interview. Again, a reminder, there's 20 Pool C bids uh, for women because we got rid of one of those at-large bids on the men's side, or on the Pool B side, which went to Valley Forge. Um, Hmm. 
I'm re- I'm, I'm going to eliminate St. Lawrence from the conversation for now. Okay. Um, I'm going to eliminate TCNJ from the conversation right now. I think you'd have to, even though why, why is why is that? Why would you eliminate them? <clears throat> Everyone else has got above 800 winning percentages. Um, I was about to eliminate Dallas though for a 531 SOS because everyone's SOSs is better except for Trines. But they're six and one against usually ranked opponents. Who is? Yeah, Dallas. Texas, yeah. yeah, well, TCNJ is four and three. I mean, you know, it's starting to get a little, little bit saucy here. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's definitely getting harder. The reason I was going to eliminate TCNJ was a was the. The twenty-one and six, yes, a five fifty, but Wheaton's got a five seventy-five, and CNU's got a five fifty-seven. Um, well, I guess that isn't as good because I'm starting to eliminate others with their SOSs. So, yeah, I guess TCNJ should stay in there. They're going to get into the mix easier than I thought. But St. Lawrence is out with the six fifty-four right now. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. What about St. Benedict in this conversation now? 22 and 4 with a 546, 4 and 4 against regionally ranked opponents. Uh, if you play the uh, SOS game, well, you can't really with Saint, with Dallas. Dallas has got one less regionally ranked, but they were 6 and 1. Um, you could. With one more win, but a weaker SOS. They're almost equal. Yep. You could play it with Wheaton. Yeah, Wheaton with an 800, 575. Yeah, you can play it there. Two game would make Wheaton on a stronger or on a weaker schedule make them twenty two and three, mm-hmm. which makes them equal to St. Ben's, but they don't have as many regionally re- ranked results. I give St. Ben's the ad. Yeah, they I agree with that. Play the game with Dallas. Dallas, same game, so twenty two and three, which is basically the same as Dallas, and Dallas still beats them. So I think Wheaton gets eliminated from this conversation temporarily. Um, if you want to play the Trine's got the same data as Dallas and St. Benedict and, and but are one and three, so I'm not exactly leaning towards them. CNU's 23 and four, the 557. You can't play the game with them, and they're two and three, so they're at least in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then Roger Williams can't play the game with them either because the number isn't big enough, and they're three and three. So you got about four teams there we could pick from. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Am I wrong at this point to play the geography game and just say that of those teams, Dallas gets in next? What geography game are you playing? Like a, lot, <laughs> a lot of them are from, you know, I'm thinking Dallas. Because the only, yeah. I'm I mean, leaning on Dallas because they won six the of the place, seven. You know. What's that? I'm leaning on Dallas because they won six of the seven. I, I think that's that's got to be the next part because they've won six of seven, even though it may not be, you know, it's six of seven. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, one of the criteria is regionally ranked opponents, and you play seven of them, you win six. That's it's a feather in your cap. I'm fine with that if you guys are fine with that. Yeah, I was just scrolling to see if I saw any common opponents. They yeah, had one. They won. They had one common opponent, Eau Claire. Oh, 
I assume Dallas beat them. Uh, Dallas beat them, and St. Ben's lost to them. Well, I'll <clears> give it to Dallas. Yep. All right, so Dallas will be our ninth pick. And that makes us in the south get a little bit interesting here. We'll take a moment. The next one technically from last week's rankings was Emory and Henry. They got to the uh, championship game in the Yodak and lost. Uh, I don't see a reason they would then slide behind Lynchburg, who lost in the first in the quarterfinals. Mary Harden Baylor. Um, I don't think jumps them with that SOS issue. I agree. Mm-hmm. Austin lost in the semifinals. Uh, I don't think they jump them with the SOS conversation. So I think Emory and Henry enters the conversation here. I have no problem leaving them there. Right. Yep. So the South will be represented now by Emory and Henry out of the ODAC. Again, got to the conference championship, 21-6. and six, Which makes them, oops, I did the wrong math. 778 winning percentage. Someone have an updated... Um, Five six seven. Five sixty seven. Okay. For which team? I'm sorry. Emory and Henry. And Henry. Thank you. <clears throat> All right. Let's get one more pick done, shall we? Okay. Well, now uh, St. Benedict's going to win the conversation over Emory and Henry. Mm-hmm. I think, in my opinion, I know there's a stronger SOS there for E and H, um, but not enough to play the game. And St. Benedict has that four and four, which includes, granted, three losses, I think, to St. Thomas. Um, so they're four and one playing anybody else. Uh, that was a conversation with Roger Williams previously. And I'm leaning still on St. Benedict. Uh, I like their data a little bit better than CNU's. Yeah, I'm good on St. Benedict. What does Actually, Gordon I'm say? good with St. Benedict yeah, here. So what, what, does, what does Gordon say before we put him in? Uh, let's see if he's even chiming in. He said made sense with Dallas, so good. We're on a roll so far. We'll see what he thinks on St. Benedict. We're going to have to wait about 30 seconds or so here. That's but fine. We'll put him in. I'm, I'm pretty sure St. Benedict yep. will be our next choice here for selection number 10. I would agree. Um, I already put him in. <laughs> you already put him in? Very good. I'm, I'm, I agree. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident. I think that's going to be a pretty good selection myself. Um, so that gives us ten up. Oh, he's typing, so that means he's going to give us an answer. So that gives us, uh, yeah, he goes St. Ben's as well. So we'll go with that. So that gives us ten selections. We got a chance to do some more interviews. So we'll go to that and behind the scenes, we will crank them out. I know that's going to make it hard for Gordon to somehow chime in, but we'll see if we can keep him involved. Um, and we will keep going. We're halfway through. It does get a little bit more nitty gritty from here on out, but we'll do our best. You are watching Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. When we come back, I talk to Randolph Macon women's basketball coach, Carol LaHaye. They won the automatic qualifier over aforementioned Emery and Henry, who we were talking about. We'll talk to her shortly after she won that title earlier today, right after this break. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, 
won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. Welcome back to the Hoopsville Sunday Special, the Selection Special. Uh, we are continuing along, especially on the women's side here, of making our selections. The men's selections are done. We might get a little tidbit of what the bracket might look like later getting this opportunity right now so we can work behind the scenes as we have mentioned several times on the selections and not to bore everybody extensively but at the same time gives us a chance to talk to a lot of the coaches and the programs that are, are moving on to the ncaa tournament through automatic bids one of those crowned today uh the old dominion athletic conference has their two championships today this year the women went first and in a thrilling game um, Randolph-Macon came from behind to defeat Emory and Henry 72-68. And joining us again on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of Randolph-Macon, it is Carol LaHaye. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Oh, love to have you. I love to be here and love to chat with you, Dave. Well, thank you. And congratulations on the championship. Like I said, come from behind. I, I saw E&H up a few times during the game, the parts that I was catching. Uh, of course, you're playing down at the Salem Civic Center, and a lot on the line. You guys want to make sure you can secure an automatic bid and not, not put it in the hands of a committee. It looked like it was a thrilling game from my vantage point. Well, I think um, I, I asked a few of my fans um, after the game, was it fun to watch? Because it certainly was fun to coach. Um, even as thrilling as it may have been and as close and tight and back and forth, um, it was just a joy to watch two quality teams compete against each other. And Emory and Henry just, uh, man, they have some outstanding athletes mm. and outstanding players. And um, we had our work cut out for us for a full 40 minutes. And, yeah, we did come from behind. Um, things kind of bounced our way at the end. Um, but we were prepared for that, and we took advantage of it. Of course, you have uh, the, the secret, as it were, and Kelly Williams, who felt like she showed off 31 points and 20 rebounds today, 29 points, 16 rebounds in the semifinals. 
Uh, we've talked about her in the past, but she continues to excel and continues to, uh, for lack of a better term, she's showing off, Coach. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you mentioned show off because um, in my pregame speech, I told um, the team that um, there were two quality teams uh, going at it for 40 minutes today. And um, there was no uh, special game plan other than um, to use their skills and to get out there and to just show off, mm. show off what they are capable of doing, um, show their fans, their family, and everybody in the Civic Center um, what um, what they were capable of doing. So I'll tie uh, you say showing off, and so thank you for asking about <laughs> me telling them to show off. Yeah, it certainly worked out appropriately enough, as it were. Um, you guys were led the first quarter 25-20. They came back on you. It was a, it was a tight one-point game at halftime. They then got you a little bit in the third quarter, and you had to kind of fight from behind to win this one. Came down to the very end. They mishandled the last possession, even though they were down four. You had to be pretty thrilled with how your team battled in this one because they never seemed to get down on themselves. Yeah, they get down on the game, but they, they just kind of seemed to tighten the shoelaces a little bit and get right back at it. Well, all season long, they have believed in each other and believed in themselves, and I think that um, they realized that they absolutely needed to do that today against Emory and Henry. Uh, Emory and Henry's uh, press gave us fits today. You know, we didn't handle the ball very well, but uh, like you said, I mean, um, our kids just never gave up, and I think they if, if one of our players turned the ball over, there was another one that came right behind her and said, hey, shake it off, we got the next play, and Sure enough, it worked out, and you know that's that's a sign of, of unity and, and quality teamwork. In the last ten days, you've also had some battles. Roanoke took you to six points uh, on the road at Roanoke, sixty-eight, sixty-two. Bridgewater in the first round uh, at the Salem Civic Center. It was a, a somewhat tight game, seventy-six, fifty-nine. Virginia Wesleyan, who had surprised Lynchburg in the quarterfinals, took you right to the end, sixty-five, sixty-two, and then another tight battle today. It feels like you're. You're pretty battle-tested to some degree, and that, that could be a real benefit when we start focusing here on the NCAA tournament. Well, I sure hope so. Um, I do feel like we've been battle-tested, and um, it's, it's been fantastic for me. I think I mentioned this to you the last interview, that it's been fantastic for me to see the growth in the ODAC and um, how each coach um, at the various schools has, has worked as hard as they have to um, develop their teams, and as a result of that, um, each and every single day in game, you had to be prepared for your opponent. And I think that um, that was testament as we closed out the season, and some of those teams started to really realize how good that they were and played supposedly the top teams. But it was a battle every every night. It's interesting. The end of the season, you guys look like you got stronger. Emory, Emory and Henry definitely look like they got stronger. Lynchburg seemed to f to falter a little bit, and Guilford seemed to come into the conversation. How much did the end of the season? How much did the end of the season change compared to what the rest of the ODAC tournament or uh, season had been like? Well, I, I think, like you said, the competition got tougher, and those teams that had been growing all season long finally realized there was a little sense of urgency coming up on the end, and here was their opportunity. You know you've been involved in sports long enough to know that you get get big-headed and you come down into a tournament game or the end of the season and you just think, oh, we played this team before, we beat them by X number of points, and you just take them lightly. And um, I think that was um, 
you know, indicative of how, how good the teams were in the ODAC is because they did. Uh, yeah. They did take advantage of another team overlooking them. And, um, wow, it's been, it's been quite a ride. Yeah, certainly a, a heck of a ride all the way to a conference championship. Obviously, this the, at the beginning of every season, everybody wants to win a conference championship. But 16-12 and 12 last year, 14-13 and 13 the year before that, this season feels like it, it's a little extra special to win that, that ODAC title. Well, it sure does because, um, you know, we only have 10 players on our team. And we had some adversity at the very beginning of our season, and we overcame that. And um, this team pulled together and was focused and determined and very confident in what they wanted to accomplish for the season. And, you know, I just... I, I kind of like went along for the ride. Um, they knew what they wanted to do and um, they worked, they worked for it. And now that they've, they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. And that was to be the best in the conference. Well, they, they did it. Now you're on to the NCAA tournament. I know you need to enjoy this one. I, the, the story I've heard is that, that this win must also include a, a stop for some ice cream. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We we always kind of have a running joke about our milkshakes, and um, there are some players. We take a half court shot um, on Fridays, and everybody says, you know, if we make this shot, coach, we buy us a milkshake. Well, you know, I've had to buy a milkshake here or there, but <laughs> um, there are some players who uh, just say, yeah, I'm never going to get a milkshake, and so I think that uh, everybody deserves a milkshake today. Yeah, I think they do. You should get Kelly Williams, too. I mean, she had 24 rebounds and tied the the single-game tournament record in the semi, or in the quarters, then 16, then 20. You and I have talked about her in nauseam, but it's it's incredible. we got to keep talking about her. She's an incredible talent for you guys. Well, she's she's very excited that she gets a milkshake today because <laughs> um, when, I, when I announced that um, we were getting milkshakes, she goes, oh, hallelujah, I thought I was going to go through my career and never get a milkshake. So she's pretty excited about it. But, yeah, I mean, Kelly Kelly does what she's supposed to do. And she played 40 minutes today, and, and as she does most of our games, um, she picked up two fouls, but she always looks over at me because I typically take a player out after two fouls and give them a chance to think about how they how important they are to us and that they've got to be smart about their fouls. But she always looks at me and says, I'm okay, I'm okay. Um, because she does know how valuable she is and that she does need to, to be out there for us. But And I think her team realizes that. But as I've talked about the unity of this team, I think that um, they also know the importance that they bring. Each each one of those players know the importance that they bring to the team as well. And um, that that's what made us um, and helped us win this conference championship. Well, congratulations on the title and congratulations on making the NCAA tournament. Now we get to see if maybe you get to stay at home, uh, depending on how the regional rankings and hostings and bracketing work. Maybe you get to stay at home uh, this Wouldn't coming that weekend. Be awesome? Wouldn't it? It would be. Yeah. Um, though uh, Jeff <laughs> might have other thoughts on that. Um, oh. But that's what you deserve. Congratulations uh, on on the yeah. title and congratulations on the win. Uh, we, uh, as you know, always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, just um, how proud I am of this group. And it doesn't mean that uh, you need a lot of players. Uh, if you've got seven to ten players that are quality players and give their all every single day, you can, you can do amazing things with them. I'm very proud of this team. 
Well, congratulations. You should be proud. That's uh, an impressive win, to say the least. Uh, good luck. Safe travels home, obviously, as we're pre-recording this interview with you. But in the meantime, good luck in the uh, tournament ahead, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Dave. Absolutely. Carol LaHaye joining us here on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. They won the ODAC Championship in Salem with a win over Emory and Henry, 72-68. On to the NCAA Tournament for the Yellow Jackets. When we come back, we get back to figuring out what we're doing with the mock selections. What has the crew decided on the women's side? You're watching the Hoopsville Selection Sunday special presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoopsville live when we come back. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back, everybody. As we continue our women's selections, you're watching the D3 Hoops, uh, Hoopsville, I should say, selection special here on uh, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. We know we have a lot of you in there tuning along. Um, Andrew, I know you want us to talk about the Hope women, but they automatically qualified to the tournament, so we don't have anything to talk about them right now. We're doing selections, so I can't talk about Hope. Um... I think they may have a chance at hosting is the best I can give you, but I haven't looked that far because we're doing selections here tonight instead. Um, 
So there you go. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Now joining us back on the Skype hotline, it is B.J. Spiegelmeyer and James Wagner, Gordon Mann, helping us out behind the scenes as well. <laughs> we got a couple picks done. Uh, we left it at pick number 10, if memory serves, gentlemen. And Correct. so we've gotten a few picks done since then. We had a, quite a few at the table. We'll try and... Uh, bang these out. Actually, for some reason, my system's not saving, so hold on a second. There we go. We got three picks done while we were uh, having a conversation. First off, we took TCNJ into the tournament. Uh, we then replaced TCNJ at the table with... Who did we replace them with? Staten uh, Island. Staten Island, thank you. And then we then took CNU out of the Mid-Atlantic region and replaced them with Albright, and then we promptly took Albright... With their 604 SOS and other gaudy uh, numerations, as it were. So we are now 13 picks in, seven picks to go. We have Staten Island in the Atlantic region. We have Wheaton in the central, St. Lawrence in the east, Trine in the Great Lakes, Haverford now in the mid Atlantic, because we feel they jumped Muhlenberg with a two and one head to head in the regional rankings. In the northeast, we have Roger Williams. In the south, we have Emory and Henry. And in the west, we have Gustavus Adolphus. Uh, so, gentlemen, at this point in time, what do you think we got? I'm looking at Wheaton, Trine, and Emory and Henry. And maybe Gustavus Adolphus. Okay. <clears throat> I know that really helps. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Oh, it narrows it down. All right, let's do it this way. We can eliminate Staten Island from this conversation. Yeah, Staten Island's out, and probably we can we can eliminate Haverford, and mm -hmm. we can eliminate St. Lawrence. Uh, probably true on Haverford. Yeah, I'm fine with eliminating St. Lawrence as well. So that leaves us Wheaton, Trine, Roger Williams, Ian H, and Gustavus Adolphus. Whew. Uh, I would call. Uh, Emory and Henry and Gustavus Adolphus somewhat equal to their win-loss SOS comparison. Mm -hmm. Gustavus has played more games, 3-6 and six against regionally ranked opponents, though 0-3 against St. Thomas, who's number one in the region. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't really help. Uh, Roger nope. Williams, if you want to play the game, uh, the .03 to 2, let's just say with Emory and Henry, they would mm -hmm. become... Uh, 25 and three, while E, Emery and Henry would become 23 and three. Nope, that's not right. No, no. Roger, Roger Williams, Williams would become, become 21 26 and, seven. and two. 21 and seven. Mm-hmm. And no, but oh em yes, yes. Yep, yes. Emery and Henry would become 23 and four. Four. That's leaning a little towards Emery and Henry. Well, they're kind of identical playing the game, and you could give the edge of, to Roger Williams because they have three wins over ranked teams versus only two for Emory and Henry. Yeah, possibly. That's splitting hairs, but... Trine, 889, though. That 889 starting to come up. Now, they're one and three. One of those wins is hope. Um, uh, losses are hope, and losses to Amherst. Kind of, I'm kind of starting to lean Trine here. Leon trying on the win loss. If we yeah. play the yes. win loss game, and mm -hmm. the fact that let, let's let's 
you know, they beat Hope once, whereas Gustavus Adolphus lost to St. Thomas three times. Gordon's liking Trine as well. Let's put him in. Let's go with Trine then. I'm going to go with Gordon on that thinking. Oh, he's typing one more thing. I don't want to disrupt just yet. Make sure we get exactly what he wants to say. Close enough to oh. E&H in RRO and better win-loss percentage. Yeah, I'm kind of with him there, too. Okay. All right, They're so uh, we'll go with Trine, and he agrees. So Trine will be our next selection as an at-large, number 14. For the MIA, it's another selection in, though that's probably it for them. Great Lakes region, we take a look at who's behind them. We had them in Ohio Northern, then Transylvania. I don't see any reason to change that necessarily. I think we stick with Ohio Northern. Um, yeah. Ohio Northern out of the OAC. Their strength of schedule is now 5-1-3. Okay. One second. Come on, Mr. Computer. Sorry, my system is starting to give me. There we go. 821 winning percentage. Twenty-three and five. What did you say on the SOS again? Five one three. Five one three. And two and one versus regionally ranked opponents. All right, that is now updated. Oh boy, 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 boy. Um. Well, I think Emory and Henry stays in this conversation. I don't think Ohio yep. Northern entered it necessarily. Nope. Um, if you play the, the .03 to two games, Emory Henry still has an advantage with a with a better record and still stronger SOS. Um, I'm, I do wonder where Wheaton plays into this game with Emory and Henry. Wheaton's got a better winning percentage, stronger SOS, though they're one and four against regionally ranked opponents. That one win, I think, is is that Illinois Wesleyan, or am I mistaken? Um, I will find out for you. Yeah. Yes, they beat Illinois Wesleyan once. And they lost to them twice. Yeah. They also lost to Scranton. Okay. And Chicago. Well, Chicago's not ranked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they aren't. I don't think so. Chicago's ranked. They're oh, third. Oh yeah, they are. So does that make them one and five? No, one and four. Two to Illinois Wesleyan, one to Scranton, one to Chicago, and then I they. I apologize. Beat, yeah, I'm sorry. I did the then they the wrong beat way. Illinois Wesleyan once? Yep. Um. All right. So St. Lawrence is out of this conversation with a 6.54 winning percentage. Staten Island's out with a 5.02 SOS. I'm Ohio, Ohio Northern's out. Probably five, with that five thirteen SOS. Yeah, I'm thinking the same. Yep. So that leaves us Wheaton with an eight hundred and a five seventy five. Uh, Gordon has messaged us. He says, "Yeah, Wheaton split the regular season with IW, lost in the CCIW tournament." Um, Haverford's hanging. I don't love them. Yeah, they're like if you, they have the identical record as Emory and Henry, but Emory and Henry's strength of schedule is 0.46 higher. Yeah, and, and Roger and Williams has got almost an identical SOS, but a better win-loss percentage yes. and a better results versus regional. So Haverford's removed themselves from this conversation. Yeah, yep. 
Um, so that leaves Roger Williams, Emery and Henry, Gustavus, and Wheaton. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think I'm looking at comparing Emery and Henry with, uh, I don't know. The only difference between Emory and Henry and Gustavus Adolphus is one win for the Gusties. Yep. In that in that category, the win the SOS is a slight and really almost barely you know .01 to Emory and Henry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Though Gusties have played more, but again also lost more against mm-hmm. recently ranked opponents. Roger Williams. The SOS. I mean the. Uh, I don't know if they can play the SOS game there and be successful with it, though they're three and three. And one of those wins was Mass Dartmouth. I don't remember who the other wins were. Somebody else, I think they surprised. Uh, Roger Williams wins. They lost to Tufts. Beat Mass Dartmouth. I'm not sure who their other, who, where the rest of that is off the top of my head. New England, maybe. Um. Wow. Pick 15's hard. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I think um, I'm leaning. I'm leaning Gusties. Yeah, I mean, I, I even though they they they're three and six, they went out and they had nine regional ranked opponents on their schedule. <laughs> Corden likes GAC better than ENH as well. Gordon and I have been on the same page all day. Yeah, I listen to you. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards the Gusties as well. That three and six concerns me a little <laughs> bit, but it's actually, I mean, it's not horrible. The three of those losses. Yeah, the other RWU win was UNE, University of New England. Um, yeah, I'm willing to go with Gusties here. Okay. So we're going to take Gustavus Adolphus next in pick 15. And with that note, I think we're going to uh, take another. Well, I got to set up the other commercial, but we got another interview. We got lots on the women's side, folks, which gives us a chance to work. Um, it's happened to work out that way. One of those weird quirks with the show. Uh, we still have Ruth Sin and Alex Lang to talk to. So how about we uh, take another break? Now that we've gotten this done, we've got five picks left. We're going to hear from uh, Ruth Sin from St. Thomas. Just pick the Gusties. She has stuff to say about the Gusties as well. So we'll take a break and talk to her. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. 
and now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Welcome back to Hoopsilla, everybody, on this Selection Sunday special. Presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. You know how to get a hold of us. We've got this scrolling at the bottom of the screen, but just a reminder, text us, or not text us, but tweet us questions at uh, Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can email them, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on any of the video lines that we're running. Uh, we can try and answer your questions. A reminder now, we're taking a break from our live coverage. We're still continuing our mock selections behind the scenes, as it were, so that we don't completely bore you with uh, some of us our uh, head scratching or working through details getting us a chance also to talk to some coaches in pre-taped interviews especially those who've got their automatic bids all sewn up one of those automatic bids comes from the miac st thomas women are once again dancing into the ncaa tournament on a spectacular season 25 and 2 18 and 0 in the conference but i don't know if that 18 and 0 truly drives home how difficult the MIAC was this season as we're talking about St. Benedict's and we're talking about Gustavus Adolphus and whether they're making the NCAA tournament is on our mock selections. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of the Tommies, it is Ruth Sin. And coach, congratulations on yet another tremendous season and another trip to the NCAA tournament. Thank you, thank you. We so appreciate um, all that you do. And well, so we're, 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 we've got you tagged on our, our browser, and we're, we're following every word. Thank you. Uh, as you said to me as, as you picked up the phone, it's nice to sit on a Sunday with an AQ, not sweating it, as it were. Um, heck, you might be even at a point where you're probably going to be hosting some games uh, in the next weekend or two, but that's down the road. In the meantime... I know the accomplishment is always, let's get to the NCAA tournament, let's win this conference. I know you guys have checked those off of your to-do list, and that's got to feel great. It does. It does. Um, you know how it is with the the season. Uh, everybody plays for the March Madness, as they say. Mm -hmm. But as coaches, you're always reminding your players, um, and no, it's the process. We have to continue to improve and get better and, and really work on our skills. So when we get the opportunity, we'll, we'll be ready to make it ours. The other thing, too, is you have you had a fascinating schedule this year. Um, you started with, with two NESCAC teams in Connecticut College and Bowdoin playing those at uh, Skidmore. 
uh, beating Connecticut College in the opener. Bowden then tripped you up in the second game. But then you played George Fox. You played Stevens Point this year. This is outside of conference play. You also played a pretty um, tough and interesting Luther squad this season who ended up finishing 19-10, and 10, probably not going to make the tournament. But then some additional WIAC teams and whatnot. You, you weren't afraid to go out there and really challenge yourselves this season. No, we weren't. Uh, we weren't. I mean, we have a we had a younger team. Um, we graduated three seniors. Um, one of them being Caitlin Langer, um, D three National Player of the Year. Um, but our our program is uh, younger players are ready for their turn, and so we we thought we want to get out and we want to be able to see where we're at and be challenged and find out you know where we have to grow. And Bowden was a great, great, great test for us, and and we learned a lot from that. And and so we've continued to improve and and get better. But you, you know as as I do, it, it's only by by challenging yourself. And so I've I've been very impressed with our girls in how they've accepted you know these opportunities. It's been fascinating because you only took two losses. It was that Bowden game, and then you took the Luther loss. You beat George Fox and Stevens Point. You beat Connecticut College. Um, on top of lacrosse and these others. And then in conference play, you went undefeated. You have not lost since December 16th. Um, you have gone on a tear since then. But again, as I said in the intro, the Mayak season, I don't think the 18-0 really does justice to how good Bethel was this year, how good Gustavus Adolphus was this year, and how good St. Benedict was this year. You're exactly right. Um, the Maya Conference has been fantastic, and I know everybody comes on and says, "Oh, we have the best conference." But <laughs> sure. This 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 year, the, those those top teams, it, it was a war um, night in and night out. And the coaches in the conference, you know, they're always prepared, so they're they're giving you you know their best shot. And there's always something different that they're they're, they're throwing at you. You know, and you get to the conference tournament, and it's like, um, you know, the other coach is calling out your plays before you are, you know, because <laughs> they know you so well. Yeah. So it, it, it's really been a pleasure. And as I said before, the nice thing about it is because our conference is so competitive, we really feel that we're prepared and our teams are prepared and ready um, to, to go into the NCAA tournament and, and, and do well. Yeah, Augsburg took you to overtime in early uh, February. Uh, you had to play St. Mary's twice in eight days, and, and they gave you uh, tough times in both games. St. Benedict, it was a three-point win to wrap up, uh, uh, wrap things up on the 17th. And then Gustavus, it was a six-point win just to win the, the title. Uh, certainly it gets you battle-tested for sure. The other thing, too, is you got to be at home where you may probably be next weekend in the NCAA tournament, assuming some things here a little bit. But you've got to be not only happy with how your team is performing um, in the conference play in the battles, but also not letting home court, which you can do distract them. Mm -hmm. No, the the girls did a really good job um, in the conference tournament. Uh, We we were without our top player, actually um, Hannah Spalding, who is um, amazing right now. She, her, her points per possession is at 1.25 and she's a 73% shooter. She went down with a concussion in our last game, and she's cleared now. But, I mean, you know concussion uh, protocol, it's a five-day process. Right. So she'll be back with us for the tournament. But I was so proud of our 
young ladies and how they stepped up and everybody did a little bit more in what they had to do and for us to get through the conference tournament with with missing a a 20 point um score is is fantastic it's really a testimony to these to these girls yeah you had to turn to elsa anderson a sophomore to get pick up her first two starts of the season uh she's a 5.5 points a game and and 3.3 rebounds a game on average for the whole season it doesn't say obviously how she contributed and the rest of the team contributed but if you're winning these games without your best player it instills confidence in the rest of the team that yeah she's back on the floor but i can also contribute as well correct correct and then and that's what we talk about is it's it's everyone doing their part and bringing their gifts and their talents in order for the team to be successful and i think i think they saw firsthand how that looks uh, of course, last season came to an end against Tufts uh, in the in the Final Four um, after getting past Whitman in the previous round and and, and Marymount at your own home court. Uh, of course, Tufts pretty tough. Um, but how yeah. much does that uh, unfortunate first loss of that season? How much are you guys still referring to it, using it in the back of your minds, or has that been wiped completely from the from the chalkboard, for, as it were, and and not even a part of the conversation now? It's not part of the conversation because we're in the here and now, but there's no question that it hurt. Yeah. Um, that that uh, we've got the group back that, um, you know, they remember what it felt like and they know what it's like to, to be on the big stage. And, and so they want another opportunity, but they understand the importance of making every day count. But, um, yeah, no, it, it, it's still in the back of our mind, you know, that um, the what if, you know, scenario. And so... But it, you know how that is as, mm-hmm. as coaches and players. Sometimes it, you use that as motivation to continue to, um, you know, maybe work a little harder and have a little bit more purpose. And, and they've done a nice job with that. You've had some really special teams, including that one last year that, that was so magical, undefeated, as we said, all the way to the uh, the Final Four. Um, where does this team, and maybe this is too difficult a question, I'm putting you on the spot a bit, but where does this team rank in the sense of, of those teams you've had in the past? And, and can this be the one that maybe helps kind of break through? Uh, you've taken steps every year, but can this one maybe break through to where I know you guys have been targeting for a while? As I said, the, the positive thing about the conference tournament is I think, you know, we, we hit adversity. Yeah. Playing without and, uh, you know, having three days of practice to, to play without your, your, your top player for the whole season, and they responded well. And so when you get a team like that that can focus on the controllables and, and can keep all the distractions and, and not make excuses, you've got a special group. And so I'm really excited about what this group, you know, their approach to how they approach every game is and, and, what, it can, and what it can end up being for us. Well, Coach, another amazing season. You got a, a, a pretty impressive team on your hands as well. But I think I feel like I say that all the time. As much as you've got seniors on this team in, in Fisher and, and Wolkow, you also have some tremendous juniors in Spalding and Renikoff in Brazil, and and some tremendous sophomores who've stepped up as well. It feels like you've got a really deep and and wide ranging team this season. Oh yes, we do. We do. We we try to play around ten, eleven players coming in. And, and they all bring energy, and they bring, you know, they bring their gifts, and so that's that's the enjoyable thing. Um, we, now that we have media timeouts, we usually don't have media timeouts. Um, we don't have to rest them as much, but yet everybody's got something to give. So it's it's been a fun game. Well, congratulations. Uh, I feel like we t- say that to you a lot, but I enjoy saying it as well. Uh, the Tommies have certainly done 
tremendously well in what is now a much more competitive MIAC on top of that. So congratulations on the 18-0 and 0 for starters. Um, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I know that you're talking about who's in, and I'm, I'm <laughs> hoping that our, our Maya conference is going to get um, at least a couple bids in, maybe even three. I, I, I think I think Estavis and, and St. Ben's are definitely and know the opponents, and you even talked about um, Bethel as well. So um, we're hoping that the Maya will be well represented and they can go on and, and do as well as we can here. And then I also want to thank you, like I said, all of our girls, um, we're always looking at D3 hoops. It's, it's, it's our favorite um, place to go. So thank you so much for um, making our girls feel like we're the big time, and, well, and you do a great job of that. Well, thank you. Coming on the show helps us do that as well, so thank you for your time. Uh, good luck as the tournament progresses. I hope I get to chat with, the, with you down the road as well. And in the meantime, have fun. Thank you. Absolutely. You take care. Thank you. Rusin joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline again. The Tommies. Our NCAA tournament bound 25-2 and two after going through the Mayak undefeated. Uh, speaking of whether uh, St. Benedict and uh, Gustavus Adolphus and maybe even Bethel make the tournament, we're still doing our mock selections. Maybe we've made that decision or not. We'll find out when we come back where things stand. You're listening to the Hoopsville Selection Sunday special presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We're back with live coverage when we get back after this break. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. 
from eastern to occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville's uh, Selection Show, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the program. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're going to get a couple more picks underway, maybe do another one on air for you before we have another interview on the women's side of things, just the way things worked out today. So I uh, hope you were enjoying them as much as we are. Uh, we did make some more picks. Let me bring in uh, my panel, Gordon Mann behind the scenes, but, of course, B.J. Spiegelmeyer and James Wagner here uh, for your uh, enjoyment, as they say. Um, and, gentlemen, we got a few more picks uh, out from underneath us, as they say. Um, this has been fun. <laughs> it's been tough, <laughs> uh, to say the least. We actually just made a change in one of the regions as well. So, uh, that's kind of why I'm a little distracted here trying to piece some things together. Um, what was that? 540. What, Oshkosh? Yes. Yeah, 546. 546. There it is. 546. Yep. All right. So, the reason we're mentioning Oshkosh, the other picks that we brought to the table. Uh, that we added. So we stopped at pick, uh, was it 15 last? We picked Gustavus Adolphus in. Yeah, the Gusties, yep. yep. And then we just heard from Ruth Sin. Uh, so the next two picks that we made ended up going to, I'm calling it up to be sure, Wheaton, uh, Wheaton at 20 and 5, and then Emery and Henry at 21 and 6 were picks 16 and 17 for us. That is how we did that, as they say. Um,. And did we also not also put in Roger Williams? And we did. And we were thinking about doing that. We just hadn't pulled the trigger. Okay. Um, I, I had mentioned that. Just We got distracted with when we replaced Wheaton, we initially thought about putting Eau Claire in there. He'd been the ones behind them regionally ranked. Huge SOS, but not a great win-loss percentage. We ended up changing our minds and replaced him with Oshkosh. Oshkosh, uh, an okay SOS at 546, but a much better win-loss percentage at 19-6. and six. Um, At this point, looking at the table, which includes Staten Island from the Atlantic, Oshkosh from the Central, St. Lawrence from the East, um, Ohio Northern from the Great Lakes, uh, Haverford from the Mid-Atlantic, Roger Williams from the Northeast, Lynchburg from the South, and Claremont Mud Scripps from the West. We had Claremont Mud Scripps, by the way, skip over Whitman. Um, we feel that Roger Williams would be the next pick with an 821 winning percentage of 529 SOS and 13 and three. Um, have not heard any complaints as it were from Gordon. So I think that would be a, a good next pick. Um, I think they ended up being at the table longer than most people worried or thought they would be. The advantages, if you are a Dartmouth fan that you now get to the table, UMass Dartmouth will next will be up next here, um, though I think this is where things get troublesome for UMass Dartmouth. Um, yeah, they're all three against regionally ranked opponents. Yeah, that's where they really struggled. Um, 857 winning percentage, which is certainly solid. 24 and 4, as we mentioned. What was their new SOS? 547. So barely went up this week in conference play. And again, they're 0-3 in regionally ranked opponent criteria. One of those losses coming to, well, really losses to everybody ahead of them, I believe. 
um, in the regional rankings. So not sure how that helps them. Um, so that's where we sit now through selection number, was that 18? Yep. Mm -hmm. Wow. So we have 20, and we could technically go back to a, an interview now, but I say we at least hash out one more before we, we do the final one behind scenes, maybe. Um, I, I think I'm right on that number, right? We're doing 20? Ooh. I should uh, double-check that, shouldn't I? Yes, you should. Is it in your page? Twenty would make sense if it's a full sixty-four. Yeah, but it, the women have a different setup because um, that pool B. I just want to make sure um, I'm right here. Um, <laughs> Corden says it's crazy that the SOS is better uh, than Whitman's Triple C being a better conference in the Northwest. But here's the thing: Whitman played so many games um, out of out of out of division that um, they lower their number. And we are picking 20. Thank God. We're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it didn't seem to save, by the way. Let me uh, get Roger Williams onto our system. I apologize. For some reason, it's not saving. I'll see if that saved it. Yep, that time it took. Um, yeah, 43 AQs, one pool B, and a 20 at large. Um, so... Yeah, here we go. So we now have um, some interesting teams at the table, and some we're going to not even talk about. I hate to say it, Staten Island's not going to be discussed. I know they're 885, but that 502 isn't helping them. But maybe that can be part of the conversation. Um, St. Lawrence is with a 654 winning percentage I don't think is going to be discussed. Uh, that's below the 667 number that I always kind of think about, especially the 700, but the 667 to be sure. Um Claremont Mud Scripps has a 501 SOS. They're in the same exact same boat as Staten Island, though they're three and one versus regionally ranked opponents. Mm -hmm. So I think they would be discussed before Staten Island would be discussed. Uh, let's see here. UMass Dartmouth has the most wins and the highest strength of schedule on the board, but they don't have a win versus a regionally ranked team. Yeah, that's that's kind of their. Riley, that's that's their problem, to be mm -hmm. blunt. Um, whew. I, I mean, I, I, I can argue Mass Dartmouth until I get to that 0-3 part. Mm-hmm. Um, Lynchburg's got a lower SOS, lower win percentage, but they're 2-3. and three. Ohio Northern has a lower winning percentage. Lower SOS, but a better results versus regionally ranks. Oshkosh, same deal. Um, actually, their SOS with Oshkosh is equal. Yep. And Oshkosh is three and five, whereas they're but they're nineteen and six. Yep. So Anybody got a play coin? the SOS game? So Mass Dartmouth wins the win loss column conversation there, but Oshkosh wins the results versus conversation because at least they got three wins. Out of eight attempts. So anybody have a five-sided coin? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, wow, I don't love any of this now. 
I mean, this is why it's pick eight. This is why it's pick nineteen too, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's <clears throat> always hard, and I wish I we could know. get the non-conference right. SOS data. So let me ask a question about UMass Dartmouth. Sure. So we don't know what the new regional rankings are coming into tomorrow. Maybe they obviously they made them today. If UMass Boston becomes ranked, I think UMass Dartmouth's zero and three turns to a two and one. That's if UMass Boston becomes ranked, which we won't know until tomorrow. But just in case it does happen, um, I had an assist on that. But um, just food for thought, if UMass Boston becomes ranked. That and, flips, and they could. And that flips Bartman's number to two and one. But then again, we don't know if that's the case. I could see Boston being ranked over Connecticut College. Yeah, because Boston's twenty-five and three, and they just won their tournament. By the way, they wouldn't go to two and one. They would go to. Um, they go to two and five, two and four, two and four, two and four. Still, so better that's, than zero three. That, that, but that that's different than zero and three. Put them in. I mean, UMass Boston had a great weekend. They're twenty-five and three. What's their strength of schedule? UMass Boston. Yes. Uh, five oh eight. So it's just a matter of whether they jumped Connecticut College. I think who, they might have. Yeah. I mean, that's a ten-win difference. Connecticut College is fifteen and ten. Well, if Boston goes in. All right, yeah, that's a fair point that they're now two and four. What's Mass Boston's SOS? Five oh eight. Well, Connecticut College is a six twenty. Well, that was. What is it now? It's still going to be six twenty. They didn't play a game this week. Oh, that's right. Well, no, because their numbers will still change because their opponents change. Well, their that's opponents' true. records change. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. But tip, it's probably going to be close to the same because all their opponents are one of them's going to lose, one of them's going to win. Connecticut College is 622. Jeez. I don't know if... Okay, so my argument... So as Gordon's pointing out behind the scenes, it wouldn't... Could Boston leapfrog Connecticut College, who was already being ranked at 15 and 10 at 620 with a 1 and 9? Would that suddenly change? Well, let's look at it this way. Look at the team ranked ahead of Connecticut College. Amherst. No, New England. 23 and 5 with a 491. So there's your answer. They certainly could. Mm-hmm. What's Boston's because numbers again? 25 and 3 with a 508. Yes. Better than New England's. Mm-hmm. Heck, Boston could jump New England, although probably won't because New England won two games this week. But the fact that Boston went 2 and 0 this week and Connecticut College didn't play. I don't know. I think I would have jumped them. Gordon, he says good point. So let's just say, argument's sake, remember, Connecticut College coming out doesn't hurt anybody. No, It's only a matter of whether Boston comes into this. So let's put put Boston in. Now let's change 
Um, Dartmouth. Ask Dartmouth from 0 and 3 to 2 and 4. 2 and 4. Yep. That changes the equation and maybe gets Mass, Bar uh, Mass Dartmouth into this into this tournament. I think it would definitely get them into the tournament because at this point they're winning almost every category, or at least competitive in every category. Right, competitive. If, well, not, not not eliminated. Not, right, they're either they're either winning it or or competitive. Yeah, I think uh, let's put uh, I, I'm going to say put Dartmouth in and just see what Gordon replies back to on that. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if he will off top. He's balancing some other things at the same time. But let's let's put Dartmouth in unless he says otherwise. Okay. Um. The regional rankings then had Smith. It's Smith didn't win the Numac. No. Who won the Numac? Uh, hold on, I'm looking. It's because I'm tired, folks, and I can't keep track of eighty conference results. Smith uh, lost to MIT. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. Do we think Smith stays there at twenty and six with a five twenty three? Wesleyan's behind him with a better SOS, two game difference. Well, Smith Smith actually lost in their semi to MIT, who beat uh, WPI, I think. So Smith went zero and one this week. What did Wesleyan do this week? I'm looking. Hold, please. <laughs> they Hold went. It. They went zero and one as well because they played Amherst. Um. So uh, yeah, I don't. I I don't think. I don't think that enough changes there necessarily. No, Though they played Amherst, that's a team. You know, it makes them three and eight. Oh, you already yeah. did that. Three and seven. Yep. All right. Let's so, just put Smith in. Yep. Um, representing the new Mac. See what Gordon just chimed in. Yeah, you mentioned that loss. Um, all right, so we've got one more interview we can run because this one's going to take some time to try and figure out. But let me at least update the screen for you all so you know what we're doing. 769 winning percentage for Smith. What's their updated SOS? 531. Uh, 531, which was a small increase over last time. And two and one will hit save. And at least you now see what we have in front of us. Um, just change, updating our screens here. And we'll take uh, that other break. And the interview we have is with uh, Alex Lang from Brooklyn winning a first-ever trip to the NCAA tournament for the Bulldogs. Gentlemen, we've got one pick left. This isn't going to be fun, but we've got time to figure it out. When we come back, we'll talk to Alex Lang, and then we'll figure out what this pick is. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, 
or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Back to the Hoopsville Special Selection Sunday broadcast here on Hoopsville, uh, presented by D3 We are continuing our, win our women's mock selections, but at this point... Huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. Back to the Hoopsville Special Selection Sunday broadcast here on Hoopsville, uh, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NAPC studios. We are continuing our, our women's mock selections, but at this point, we're taking an opportunity to talk to some other coaches that we pre-taped earlier today to give ourselves a chance behind the scenes to do some mock selections without boring you with maybe some of the uh, details, as it were. We'll come back with what we have done in the meantime. As a result, talking to coaches, one of the stories on the women's side is the first ever NCAA tournament berth for the Brooklyn Bulldogs. 38 years since they last won a conference title, they win their first CUNYAC championship in that 38 years. And joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the Brooklyn women's basketball team, Alex Lang. Coach, congratulations. Thank you so much, Dave. We're very excited as you can imagine. Uh, I, yes, I, I I think I can. Um, first off, I know a couple times this season we're like, you know, we ought to we ought to talk to Brooklyn. 
see what's going on there uh, in in the midseason here and, and you know playing really good basketball. Just never got around to it, but I think we found a better time to talk to you anyway. Yeah, I mean, we spoke once last year, yep. so that was, a, that was a nice thing. And, uh, you know, this year has been a little bit of a surprise. We lost seven seniors, four of, our, four of our starting five, and a couple of other players we lost, one to injury and one who just went back home. And uh, so we went into the season with a pretty inexperienced group working together. We have a bunch of freshmen playing minutes. Uh, you know, we had the rookie of the year in our conference, Taylor mm-hmm. George, and, uh, you know, the, the, the team just has a great energy about them. We've, we've stepped up to every challenge we've had this year, and we've been playing some great basketball. I'm really excited about this group. What's really interesting is this is a team that, you know, this isn't like it's a flash-in-the-pan type thing. You've had something like seven straight seasons of 20-plus wins a year. Uh, last year you were 22-7. and seven. The year before, you know, you've been 22-7 and seven often, uh, or 22-8. and eight. It's just that the scenario, you lose enough games in the CUNYAC, you're not able to get the AQ by winning the CUNYAC and you don't have necessarily the criteria to get in as an at large. So this seven game, seven seasons of 20 plus wins, and this is your first chance to get in the NCAA tournament is definitely one of those oddities. That's fascinating. But at the same time, at least you've now gotten over that hump. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've been really good and really strong. Uh, you know, having, as you know, having 20 wins is a great accomplishment. Mm-hmm. There've been a, there've been a couple of seasons where we might not have had our strongest teams, but we're able to, you know, maybe take advantage of, of, of some of the weaker teams in our league. And then also, um, you know, pick up a couple of uh, non-league wins, but, but I felt like there were a couple of years where we could have definitely done some damage um, and, and gotten to the tournament and maybe won a game or something and competed at a high level. But, you know, we ran into Baruch for a number of years, who was mm-hmm. dominating our conference, and, mm-hmm. and they'd beaten us a few years in the championship game. And then these last couple of years, you know, we had an overtime loss to Lehman two years ago, which could have gone either way. And last year, Staten Island got us, and they had a really strong team, and it could have gone either way as well. But we're happy to win, obviously. I'm very excited to see my team in the, in the NCAA tournament. I felt like we tried to schedule some tough non-conference games to get us ready for it. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I think our team is, is peaking at the right time. Yeah. We're injury free and, and we're, we're looking forward to playing. So. What's really interesting is I, I would be curious when you guys uh, flip the switch or realize maybe this is, this is going to be a special season. I, I look at the schedule and for starters, uh, you have been on a tear of late. You haven't lost since mid-December since coming back from the holiday break. You, oh, I should say you've lost once. It was to Staten yeah, Island on um, February 8th, 62-45. But yep. you guys had a loss to Montclair State on December 12th, 48-37. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking mm-hmm. at that game, and that was the last game you had before the holiday break. And I remember thinking mm-hmm. to myself, okay, that's closer than I expected. That that mm-hmm. one, especially at Montclair, that mm-hmm. tells me something. Fair uh, to say that? I mean, coming up with a holiday break right afterward, obviously you can't build on it very much, but it, it was that a a game that to use as a barometer? Yeah, I, it was right around that time. We, we, we had our first conference game like a week and a week and a half before that yeah. against Hunter. And it was at their gym and their homecoming. And they have, a, they have a much improved team this year. And they, mm-hmm. you know, we have an inexperienced squad and they kind of jumped on us at one point. And we, you know, we, we, we fought back toward the end and lost the game by four. And, and our team woke up a little bit there though. We realized, all right, you know, we have some talent, but we can't just, coast through some of these games and um we turned around the next game and played nyu and we played them really tough yeah. and won the game and that was a nice win for us and then 
uh, the following week, like you said, we, you know, we, we picked up a nice conference game, win against Lehman, and then we played Montclair. And, you know, the score, losing by 11, um, you know, it, it was even a tighter game than that. I mean, it was, it was, it was a back-and-forth game throughout most of it. It was very low scoring, obviously. But we, we had a chance. I mean, I think we took a lead early in the fourth quarter, and, and we, we had a shot to maybe win that thing. Uh, Sire for them is tough. She made some plays down the stretch that, um, that you know, she, she turned herself into the best player on the floor and took over the game at one point. But, uh, but we definitely knew we had something because we were on the road, like you said. We didn't even necessarily play our best game, and we had a chance down the stretch. Um, so, you know, and, and it was early in the season still for a young team like that. And we really started clicking in December. Um, you know, we got into conference play and ran off a lot of, uh, wins consecutively. We gave Staten Island their first uh, conference loss uh, at their place. Uh, we shot the ball incredibly that game, and we actually had a 29-point lead at one point in that game. It was it was a really wild game where they made a run late and almost came back in the game. But mm-hmm. um, but but we you know and obviously it was a back and forth with us and them for the conference. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, we're playing great basketball right now. We defend really well. Uh, we have some decent depth and uh, a couple of our freshmen who were a little more in it, you know, Chanel, who was the conference MVP in the tournament, um, you know, the MVP for the championship game. She's an extremely talented player. We bring her off the bench. We brought her off the bench all season, mm. but she might, she, she might be one of the top two or three talented players in our conference. Mm. Um, and, and we bring her off the bench. Uh, we've kind of been bringing her along slowly. You know, she's someone who got in a lot of foul trouble early in the season, her freshman year in college, she 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 wasn't quite ready for certain things and kind of got a little out of her element at times. But she's really come into her own, and I think she could she could really help us, you know, uh, do some things uh, when we get into the NCAA's. And talk about the t- uh, team in a little more detail in a moment. But the one thing I did pick up on is that the fact that you beat Hunter and Staten Island in the conference tournament, which are the two teams you lost to in conference yes. this season. Um, obviously Staten Island most recently, Hunter back in the mm-hmm. first half, and and you'd already beaten Hunter obviously earlier or later in the season and uh, and whatnot, but still significant yep. wins for you guys in the conference to go and win this conference title. Oh yeah, yeah. It, the way it shaped out, you know, we ended up getting the one seed. Hunter kind of fell to the to four seed, and I thought that was actually a really tough matchup for us in the semifinals. But uh, but our team, you know, we we we. Like you said, we lost to them earlier in the season, but we bounced back and, and beat them the next two times, including the semifinal game. And then CSI and us have been a rivalry for years, mm-hmm. uh, playing some really tough games. We, we've beaten them a few times in the conference tournament, and then they beat us last year in the finals to win the championship. And, and you know, our returning players obviously wanted to seek some revenge, and our, our newcomers knew the level of the, the rivalry. So it was a big game the other night, and uh, we were lucky enough to come out on top. Uh, you have four players leading the way: Alex, uh, Karen Mack, uh, Taylor George, Chanel Jamont, and uh, Alexandra Mugen. All eleven point three points to thirteen points a game. I mean, double figures for all four, and nearly a double double average for for Jamont, who has nine point three rebounds a game. By the way, Mack five point three assists a game is an absolutely yeah. insane number. Um, yeah. you've got a real good quad there, and I know there's more players. You play 10 deep in most mm-hmm. games, but that mm-hmm. quad right there, is, it seems like it's the toughest to try and match up against. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that that's uh, that's our team's backbone. I, I, I would throw... Uh... I would throw uh, uh, Jasmine Henshin mm-hmm. uh, into that mix, too. She's Her her scoring numbers aren't quite what the others are, but she's 
one of our better rebounders yeah. and a great defender and, and just brings endless energy for us. Um, you know, yeah, you just mentioned four of, 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 I think, the better players in our league. And, and Karen's a fourth-year senior for us. Um, for those who who played us, either non-conference or conference, they know that she really is the motor that makes us go. Mm. And she can get in the lane pretty much at will. She has tremendous athleticism, a really good handle. She can find open players. Um, you know, you know, she didn't have a tremendous scoring game in the championship game the other night, but I think she had seven assists. And uh, she was really getting the tempo going for us. We like to play a fast-paced kind of game and, and push the ball. And, you know, she can do that. She's also a terror defensively. She's pretty long for a guard and can get her hands on a lot of balls and cause some havoc, you know, getting some steals and that sort of thing. Uh, Chanel is a – she's an inside-out kind of player. You know, she's really strong physically. She's probably only about 5'9 or 5'10, but someone who just, like, people bounce off of her. I mean, she's just <laughs> – she's just a force. In there. I mean, she's just so strong. And she's only a freshman. She's, it's just all natural strength. It's not even like getting in the weight room. It's just wow. like she's born with it. Yeah. Um, probably uh, like could even be in a touch better shape. She, she carries a little <laughs> bit of weight on her. But, but she moves great, though. I mean, she can, she's, she's a big that can like cross you over, put the ball behind her back, do, do crazy things with the ball. It's, 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 she's really something to watch. She's a tremendous talent. Sometimes she gets a little carried away with that stuff, and we have to hone her back in and say, hey, look, Chanel. This is not the park, like, you know, this is college basketball here, you know, but, uh, but like in the championship game the other day, she, she like put it behind her back and a little step back jump shot. You really don't see, you know, bigs on the division three level doing that too often. Um, so she's got a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a street game to her, which kind of benefits her. I think when she's playing um, in certain levels, but there's other times where I'd like her to keep it a little more simple, but, um, but she's an <laughs> awesome player. <laughs> I know a lot of coaches How, like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, the other day she's dribbling the ball down the court and tries to spin move between like two defenders. It's like I don't think that's what we want, you know, our our five player on the court doing right now. Yeah, Just get no. to the point guard and run the lane. So, uh, but she's learning. She's learning, and, and and if she hones that ability, she's really uh, something else. But uh, Allie Mugen, like you mentioned, she's a tremendous three point shooter with like unlimited range and uh, a long defender at the three. She's about 5'10", plays the three for us, really long arms, a wingspan probably of someone who's like about 6'1", hmm. and uh, gets her hands on a lot of balls, blocks a lot of shots. Um, Kayla George is like a 4'10", little spark plug. <laughs> we haven't listed at 5'. I don't think she's <laughs> even close to 5'. Wow. But she's, she's like a little running back. I mean, she's strong as heck. You can't knock her over. You can't get her off her balance. She was three for three from three-point range in the championship game. She leads our conference 87% from the foul line. She's just somebody who's rock steady, uh, somebody who can always count on, plays really good on-the-ball defense, can, can frustrate a lot of teams with her, her on-the-ball defense and that sort of thing. We, we like to pressure a little bit in the full court. So, you know, she's, she's, she's really been a, a tremendous pickup for us. Like I mentioned, she's player of the year in the co- excuse me, yeah. rookie of the year in the right. conference. So, yeah. Um, and again, I suspect the the excitement outside of the team uh, for the school, to the department, et cetera, is is pretty uh, gung ho considering what you guys have accomplished here this weekend. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's uh, our athletic director was thrilled. The president of the school was at the game on Friday. Uh, it, it was great for the all around administration. Great for the fans, the parents who can come into a lot of these games to finally finally get it done in the big stage and. Uh, 
So everybody, everybody was pumped up about it for sure. Well, congratulations once again. Certainly impressive to say the least uh, that Thank you guys you so have, much, have done this. Uh, we 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 look forward to seeing where they may send you and what you may be able to do in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. But in the meantime, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, you know, for everybody who's tuning in, I'd just like to say, uh, you know, I'm extremely proud of our team. Uh, it, it was a great group to work with this year, and I'm I'm excited for the tournament, and I'm excited to see what this team can do. I know that uh, typically our conference hasn't gone too far in tournament play, but I think, you know, this team could surprise some people. So very excited. Very cool. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time. We'll talk to you real soon. Thank you so much, Dave. Absolutely. He is Alex Lang, head coach of the Brooklyn women's basketball team. Bulldogs off to their first ever NCAA tournament berth at 24-3 and overall, 14-2 and winners of the CUNYAC title. When we come back, figure out where we have left things off and maybe what selections we have made as we continue to work through our women's mock selections here on the on the Hoopsville Selection Sunday special presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Back with more after this. And thanks to Alex Lane for coming on the show. We're not taking that commercial break like I indicated there at the end of the interview as we were late on the show, so we're going to get things rolling. I thought we'd be done about 45 minutes ago, and we're still on the air. We have one pick left. I thought it was a hard pick, but that's because I also didn't look ahead. Joining me now via the City of Salem Skype hotline, once again, it's Wags and uh, BJ Spiegelmeyer. And we had Gordon behind the scenes, and it was funny because Gordon said, no, this one's easy. He wrote his answer. You guys are behind the scenes going, well, let me give you my thought. And you guys give your answers. And it turns out everybody had their answers within two minutes. Gentlemen, who would like to do the honors of saying who our final 20th selection is? I'd say Gordon, but he couldn't figure out how to hook up with Skype today. So, <laughs> uh, Wags, do you want to do the honors? Sure. So our 20th and final team, ladies and gentlemen, will be UMass Dartmouth. No, that's 19. Oh, my 19. gosh. Sorry. You guys are all so, so Gordon can't figure out Skype. Wags can't read. Our final 20th pick is Wisconsin Oshkosh. That's yes. right. Sorry. I'm going to update <laughs> my record. Oshkosh I apologize. Ends up being our last pick. Oy. Um, sorry <laughs> sorry folks <laughs> so again they're scrolling there on the screen while we get our final thoughts the table i'm not putting in who would come up to the table in the central region though we believe it would have been eau claire um we're just not going to put him in there for now but gentlemen uh it, it's going to be an interesting tournament a lot of really good teams uh there's probably a debate that we didn't get the northeast exactly right but i was leaning on the fact that roger williams and dartmouth were two teams that they had been ranking pretty high all season. Um, and so I stuck with that. But what do you guys think of, of what we're going to get out of this? Go ahead, Wags. Um, well, looking at these teams that we've picked and with the uh, with the automatic bids, um, this is going to be very competitive tournament as it always is. But I think you might see some surprises in there. And, and, you know, I focus mainly on the Atlantic and the Mid-Atlantic region. There's a lot of strong teams in the Mid-Atlantic region. And I would not be surprised. You know, you're going to see the usuals, the usual NESCAC teams in the, the later rounds. But I think you're going to see some Mid-Atlantic teams uh, make their way in there. And one that I really like is Albright because Albright has a very strong strength of schedule. And this is where, you know, you get hot. And uh, I think it'll be a great tournament. Looking forward to starting this week. Yeah, I kind of agree with Wags. I think there's a, a little bit more parity in Division Three women's basketball um, this year than I've seen across all levels. Just you know, kind of keeping an eye on the national level as well as just following my own team and on the on a regional level. And so, 
I think you'll see some uh, traditional powerhouses maybe struggle a little bit and maybe even lose a little earlier than they're used to in the tournament. Yeah, we may see that. I'll, I'll give you that. Also, we got some new names in the mix. You know, we, we got some teams that aren't necessarily in the conversation all the time in there um, that I'm going to look forward to uh, this season. Um, it's nice to see a few extra Northeast teams get in and not the usual suspects. Uh, but I think that's because they've also all improved their scheduling just a little bit, uh, which certainly helped, but also winning with that scheduling. I think we're going to get a little bit more upsets, but I think the heavyweights are the favorites to get to the final four once again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the but way, think- uh, mad, uh, mad, uh, props came in from Chris Mitchell on the home dog shirt there, sir. Ah, yes, the home dogs. I'm still uh, still enjoying a Super Bowl win. Yes. I did get to uh, I did get to meet Jason Kelsey yesterday. He was at the Cabrini uh, Lynchburg men's lacrosse game. Um, very nice guy. Uh, felt you know there watching uh, lacrosse game, and he was in the press box. And towards the end, I was like, "Can I have a photo?" And he was absolutely no problem. Shook his hand. My wife's like, "Why did you get his autograph?" I'm like. I don't ask anybody for their autographs. I just wanted the picture, but uh, yeah, it's still it's still cloud nine down there. Although the Sixers did lose finally tonight, so now they're fourteen one and one. The Sixers and the Flyers since the Super Bowl. Hey, as long as you fed Jason Kelsey breakfast, you can get whatever you want. That's right. That's right. I forgot we had two uh, Philadelphia fans here, uh, Eagles fans. <laughs> but congratulations, gentlemen. I will admit that uh, a heck of a Super Bowl, heck of a win. I know you guys are happy. Um, and Penn's, Penn's doing pretty good in the Ivy League men's basketball. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. It's a good year in Philadelphia this year. Uh, final thoughts before we let you go. We'll start with BJ. Uh, nothing, nothing except for the normal. I just want to thank you, Dave, for all the work you've done and for including me in this again for the second straight year. I think last year you included me about five minutes before the show started. Yeah. This year you gave me a, you gave me a whole 24 hours yep. before you asked me to come on. So maybe <laughs> next year I'll get like a week's notice. Uh, before before the show starts, two but days, no, two days. Let's not push it. Yeah, seriously though, thanks for all the work uh, you do um, with D three hoops as well, for all the D three sports and uh, and for including me in the uh, the show again this year. Absolutely, my friend. Wags, as always, I echo BJ's comments. Dave, thank you for all you do for D three hoops, uh, both on the men's and women's side. Um, from a conference perspective, we appreciate you know the, the attention you've given our conference, our twelve teams this year. And, uh, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit, of, you know, we've talked about the women for the last couple of hours. I want to talk about the men real quick. You know, we in this business get to a point where we just enjoy what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a pretty long week for me with the championships and our all-conference teams and, you know, in that, that transition of getting ready from winter to spring. Um, and today was a day off. You know, I finally got to see my kids and my wife for the first time pretty much all week. And, uh, you know... It was interesting that at two o'clock this afternoon, I get on my phone and I watch the Skyline Championships mm-hmm. and, and watching the atmosphere at Purchase for Yeshiva and Purchase. I mean, it was like watching. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen is you had the entire Yeshiva community at that game chanting and cheering for a team that just made a miracle run. It reminded me of, of, of when UConn a few years back made the run in the Big East and yeah, won the National yeah. Championship. So, uh, I mean, you know, there are so many incredible stories in both sides of the tournament, uh, but that was one. I mean, on my day off, I turned on the Skyline Championship to watch Purchase and Yeshiva, and they are so excited. It's the first championship they've ever won in, in their school's history in the conference. So now these kids are going to get the experience. And that's the one thing that the NCAA tries to do, um, you know, at, these, at this level when you get to the championships is give you that national experience. And you may say, 
Why are you shipping a team 400 miles? Well, they're going to go to a place they've never been. Before. Some of them may have never been before, and they're going to play teams that they may never get a chance to play with. So it'll be a good couple of weeks. And I know, you know, on the men's side, especially with, you know, this is the final year in Salem and Kerry Harvey Cutter and the guys, the ODAC have done a phenomenal job. I got to experience it back in 2008 when our side has made the final four. Um, they'll put on a good show. And if you are here on the East Coast and you get a chance, your team's in it, I highly suggest you go. Same thing for the women's championship. It is one of the best experiences that you'll see. Uh, you bring up the thing I should remember to mention, Carrie Harvey Cutter mentioning. Tickets for Salem, two for one, mm. between now and Tuesday. So if you want to buy a $25 ticket, which I think gets you into everything, get two for one if you do it by Tuesday. That's great. Yeah, pretty good deal. Well, gentlemen, thanks so much. Really appreciate your hard lifting as well. Um, and I'll look forward to uh, chatting with you guys down the road and enjoying the three weeks uh, as we all do. Great. Sounds, sounds you. good. You too, Dave. Thanks, bud. Thank guys, take care. All right. See you, man. All right. And that is uh, BJ Spiegelmeyer from DeSales and James Wagner from CSAC. And, of course, uh, Gordon Mann behind the scenes as well. Scrolling those women's mock selections to roll out the rest of this um, in case you're curious on who's where as we finish up things. Uh, the men's bracket has been posted already, believe it or not. The boys at D3Hoops.com, Ryan and Pat, got that job done pretty darn toot sweet. Um, pretty impressive, to say the least. Um, they got creative, believe it or not. Um, they have an extra flight, and they actually split Whitman and Whitworth away from each other. Here's here's an interesting factor here, and I, I I haven't seen the bracket myself, but I am going to be interested to see because there's we are predict, predicting three teams from Texas. That's going to add a monkey wrench, and maybe Whitman can't even host. I don't know what they did on the bracket again, um, but I, I I'm curious as to what's going to happen here. Tomorrow's bracket's going to be fascinating to see. One, to see if we're anywhere close on our predictions. But the second reason being, what are they going to do with travel, especially on the men's side? On the women's side, um, we only have George Fox in from the Northwest as an automatic qualifier. So they're going to fly. And you got a Sky that's going to fly. You've got a few Texas schools. So it may not be as exciting. But the men, uh, Ryan and Pat, will now tackle the women's side of that bracket a little bit more. And release it later. So if you want to see what we think are, is going to happen in terms of hosts and in terms of travel and whatnot on the men's bracket, go to d3hoops.com now and you will see that. A reminder, tomorrow the brackets will be announced at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time for the men. It will be announced at 2.30 Eastern time for the women, both p.m. times, 12.30 p.m. Eastern and 2.30 p.m. Eastern for those two brackets, you will see yours truly on those shows and this studio. We'll try and do a few things to dress up the studio a little bit more. we got some new things to add. We'll hopefully do those in the morning before we, we pre-tape those. A reminder, Hoops will then be on the air about 3.15 or so with a bracket special. We've already got the men's committee chair booked for a time. We need to work on getting the women's committee chair on. Um, we also are already working on guests for that show as well. A spectacular opportunity. If you wanted to watch, just stick to D3, or D3hoops.com. I am right there. Stick to D3hoops.com to find out what we're doing and where we think teams are going now. And then you can tune in tomorrow to find out exactly where everybody is headed and who made the tournament. 
Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I appreciate all your support. I hope you enjoyed the show. We're going to sign off. We'll be back on the air uh, tomorrow. Again, about 3.15 or so, give or take, depending on how we get guests booked, as it were. Um, and, of course, uh, don't forget to stick with D3Hoops.com for those selection shows tomorrow. Again, 12.30 Eastern time for the men, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time for the women. You can see the men's bracket that we've predicted right now. The women's bracket will be out in a couple of hours. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to all of our guests. We appreciate you taking the time to join us, and we hope you enjoyed the show. You've been watching Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Thanks to our partners at D3Hoops.com, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, the Men's Basketball Men's National Association of Basketball Coaches, and the City of Salem, of course, for their support as well. Good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this Selection Sunday broadcast. Thanks to BJ Spiegelmeiger, James Wagner, also Bob Quillman, and... Uh, Gordon Mann, along with Ryan Scott and Pat Coleman behind the scenes. And to all our guests who appeared on the show, way too numerous to name, we appreciate everybody for tuning in. Good night, everybody, and thanks for tuning in.